Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the only podcast, the only Michigan State podcast on the internet. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Tuesday, August 13th, and this episode is brought to you by Spotify. Why is that, Austin? Because we're on Spotify now. Yes, we are. We need... Okay. This is a call to action for everybody who listens to this. Um, first of all, thank you. Mm-hmm. Second of all, um, we need a lot of clicks before our stuff starts showing up in the SEO on Spotify. So, you know, you guys remember remember a little guy named Chris Vanini. He, you know, he's just doing some small things now at places called The Athletic, whatever. Um, not famous at all. You should go back and listen to every episode he ever recorded before John and I ever even got on this, and then go back about, uh, from here, about 70-some-odd episodes and re-listen to everything John and I have ever put on the internet. Um, It's literally, as I just said, the only place you can listen to Michigan State stuff on the internet since we are the only Michigan State podcast on the internet. So you should go back, listen to that, build up some clicks, and then we'll pretty much be everywhere. If you do that, it'll probably get you right up to kickoff. For the season. Yeah. You got a couple weeks to kill. Austin, how many episodes have we done? Did you say you went back and looked? I okay. Just you and me. But preface this with the fact that math, not necessarily my thing. Working on it. We, I believe, are at about 74 Woo! episodes together since 2017. Wow. Kind of insane. We're coming up on I think the two-year mark will officially be like the first week of September. Big time. Um so yeah, you guys have been with us through No, this is all new people. Oh, yeah. Everyone has dropped well, off. yeah, first of all, thanks to the new folks. But we've been through, what, one good football season, one one not great one. Yep. One, uh, one rough basketball season that was awesome. Right. That ended terribly. Our collective basketball record is probably really good. Maybe the best ever. It's right up there. Did you know, speaking of, Draymond Green has the fifth highest uh, winning percentage of a player in NBA history as of right now? That is... As expected. Isn't that crazy? Just like everybody thought when he entered the NBA. That's how I thought it was going to play out. Right. I'm shocked he's that low. Yeah. Uh, so Draymond, still the best player in basketball. Um, yeah. Nothing really new there. Speaking of basketball, women's basketball. Yeah. Michigan State women's basketball. Susie Merchant. She coached the, Team USA. The legend. Dude. I, did some things. Susie's great, man. So Susie um, was chosen by USA Basketball to coach Team USA at the Pan Am game. Mm-hmm. Which is an amazing opportunity, awesome exposure for, and a testament to her. I mean, she's been at Michigan State for a while now. And, Hot minute. Yeah, and, and has churned out some pretty consistent, um, you know, maybe not reaching the elite status that everyone would have loved, but there's something to be said about consistently being a tournament team. 
Yeah. You know, not, not a lot of programs can say that, turn in that consistency. So that said, she was given the honor of coaching the Pan Am, USA at Pan Am Games, which you may have seen on ESPN because, like, there's nothing else on right now. It's summer. And uh, Team USA took silver, dropped, uh, dropped a barn burner to Brazil. Um, so Team USA, since being in the Pan Am Games, have won seven gold, six silver, and two bronze. So good showing. Yeah. Maybe not the one we wanted, but... Hey, it's cool enough. We'll take a silver. Not bad. It's a medal. It's better than not meddling. You placed. You know? Yeah, I've heard that's good. <laughs> so, um, shout out to her. Um, looking forward to diving into the women's basketball squad uh, um, as we sneak a little bit closer to basketball season. Uh-oh. Well, Uh-oh. USA at the Pan Am Games, a runner-up. Yep. Another runner-up, uh-huh. something you just hate to see as we quickly pivot to football. One, uh, usually we don't talk about Miami, Florida football here on this podcast, but uh, we just had to. Breaking today. news. Breaking news, things you hate to see. Uh, Tate Martell, he of... Christian named Tathan. Tathan, yes, pardon me. Uh, he of uh, NCAA immediate eligibility at Miami. Weird how that worked out for him. That's crazy. Hmm. Um Benched, not gonna be the starter at Miami. Miami going with uh, sure, wait, surely Austin. He he lost the starting job to the incumbent, the starter last uh, year. He, no, unfortunately, oh, this may surprise you. Who both of them benched, not playing, not playing. Who is the who is the offensive coordinator at Miami, <laughs> folks? A name, uh, trigger warning here. Dan Enos. Oh, Danny boy. Dan taking his long-awaited revenge on uh, Ohio State here by by benching young Tathan. The um, long burn. It's a dude. <laughs> listen, Dan, we've talked about it before. Dan Enos, one of the greatest double agents of all time. Amazing. This is like when because wasn't it last year he was supposed to go to U of M? He did, and then bailed on U of M. He was there for less than forty-eight <laughs> hours, and the reason he went was because it's incredible. He had to, uh, it was a non-compete for him to go from one SEC school to another. And so he has fired at Arkansas, Arkansas. I believe. Yep. He couldn't go to where he wanted to go, which we found out later was Bama. Right. He got a, offered a gig as like an <laughs> offensive specialist, uh, whatever, which uh. is shocking. So he goes to Michigan for 48 hours, signs a contract, and then quits on them. and, and then Gets out of the non-compete. Goes to Dude. Bama and in two years goes from like a volunteer coach to offensive coordinator because Bama goes through co- head coaches that fast. Yeah. Get plucked out of there. And then he gets yanked over to Miami to be their offensive coordinator. I mean, dude, this is like, he is failing upwards as hard as you can really Incredible. fail. Because when has he been good at his job? Is Dan Enos at any point going to be the Patriots' next head coach? At this rate, probably. He's, he is rocketing to the Josh McDaniels likes what he sees. Let's <laughs> put it that way. A lot of upside. It, I mean, but really, from MSU offensive coordinator, where he was good but not spectacular, to Central Michigan head coach, where he was good, not spectacular, mm-hmm. Arkansas head coach, or no, Arkansas offensive coordinator, right? Offensive coordinator. Not good. Bad, actually. To 48 hours at Michigan. Honestly, at this point, might be the most impressive thing on his career. Just the sheer political maneuvering. Could work. So he plays the game right. Yeah. So Tathan benched. Um, it's kind of crazy now to look at. You were mentioning it before we started. The fact that he was probably, I mean, he was in line to be Ohio State starter mm-hmm. all of six months ago, and instead 
uh, goes to Miami and gets benched. Says a lot. For, and Ohio State manages to pull Justin Fields Weird. from Georgia. So it's like Ohio State might end up being the biggest winner in this whole sweepstakes. But it got us talking about um, a, a downright hurtful subject. To be honest with you, this was not. This is this hurts. Not intended to be painful. No, but is it is. Um, we were got us thinking about our favorite, I guess, Michigan State transfers, guys that transferred from MSU mm-hmm. that you wish wouldn't have. And we'll call it what could have been. What could have been. I'm going to let you go first <clears throat> because I need to take a minute and calm myself. All right. Well, I'm going to do hoops. Yeah, because I think do we either do sport. Book. for me. Um, I don't think we got to see quite enough of uh, Kenny Kaminsky. <laughs> the three, you remember, it was a very flash-in-the-pan moment. Couldn't find the court, not because of the talent, more of the grades. If you don't remember him, he was a very large shooting guard, I guess you would even call him. I suppose. Literally only shot threes. Incre- incredible accuracy. He's actually top 10 MSU all-time in three-point uh, percentage. That crazy? That's remarkable. And he's only played for like not even a year. Yeah, I think that was how long he's. And he was on the Miles Bridges freshman team. I think so. Yeah. And then he he had to let's just say he didn't he didn't make it, and he transferred to a Mac school. Akron, I believe. Yeah, and student athletes, John. He did was fulfilling one of the two, I think. And (laughs) uh, I don't know. The last I checked, I. He's was playing in um, like the third tier in Germany or something. Hey man, take that money. I don't know. Take I, the money, Kenny. So I missed that. I just I would have loved to see a little more Kenny Kaminsky. I think we can all agree on that. Um, mine is is very deep and personal, and uh, everyone here probably knows it already. But mine is is football, and it's Montez Sweat. Mm. It hurts for so many reasons. That uh, you took it to. You, you turn it up to 11 really quick. It's extremely personal. <laughs> he was... Start at the beginning. Uh, a two-star. When he was but a wee lad. Uh, he was a very lightly recruited two-star tight end in the class of 2014 from Stone Mountain, Georgia. Um, recruited by Dave Warner. So Dave did something right. He tried anyway. Um but he's a two-star tight end, 6'6", 220, like kind of out of nowhere. Didn't have, I mean, he ha- ended up having a bunch of other de- pretty decent offers from Florida, Florida State. But still, never anything uh, terribly serious. A lot of those time zones aren't even committable. Um, and so he comes to MSU, lanky uh, defensive end, and right away people are saying, oh, this, this guy looks good in practice. He looks, he's got the build. He's putting on muscle. I took him on as my personal pet project of being like, this is the guy who I'm going to support, whether it's right or wrong. Uh, he's popping in practice, ends up um, really loving to smoke weed. Mm-hmm. And uh, like then super like, a, like a lot. And then ends up having to transfer away um, just him and Craig Evans. It was that same group just as he's really coming into his own physically. So uh, long story short, he goes to Mississippi State, mm. wins SEC Defensive Player of the Year mm. one year, mm-hmm. uh, and then goes on to get drafted in the first round. Um, oh, before he gets drafted in the first round by the Redskins, he runs a 4-4-1 unofficial at 6'6", 260 pounds. Austin, is that an NFL Combine record? That is an NFL lineman? Combine record. He ran the same – Okay. Oh, I'm getting worked up. He's mad. Here are some players that his 
40 time, which I realize is a flawed statistic. Here are some players Montez Sweat's 40 time was faster than. Amari Cooper. Hmm. Julio Jones, oh. Odell Beckham Jr., oh. A.J. Green, Michael Thomas, and Antonio Antonio Brown. No. He's a defensive Th- Those lineman. are probably the six best receivers in football. Mm. And he ran a faster 40 than any of them. I realize that doesn't always translate to defensive end, Helps. but that is insane. That's insane. It's insane. There's no way around it. Um, and, man, just to have him – like, he, Kenny Willickis is, is – Going to be one of the favorites for preseason defensive player of the year. Like he's 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 incredibly good. Probably a, a fellow, potentially a fellow first round pick. And Montez Sweat is physically like twice as impressive. Like yeah. it's it, it's not even close to have him on those teams, especially those teams where that defensive line, the three and nine year where the defensive line struggled so much. He just would have been such a star. And then the storyline to go from another another. Lightly recruited two-star to first-round draft pick under Mark D'Antonio. Add him to the list of all the names that you've heard a billion times. Uh, would have been perfect. Like, this could have – I mean, I think Jack Conklin will always be, like, the piece de resistance. Like, like him and Darquez yeah, but are this, the two. But, but like, this, this at a premier position, like, would have been damn close to the top. So, can we claim him? Like oh, I will style? always claim him. Absolutely. Yeah. He actually played – he, he did well, have so, so did Foles, but no doubt. Like no, Foles played in games. Yeah, I know. Foles played against Sam Hunt, great country stat. superstar. Not that I'm a country fan, but he played against him in uh, MSU UAB in 2009. Look Important. it up. I was there. Important. So yeah, this is this is why you listen. I think um, that was the game Javon Ringer set the MSU record for most carries. I think so. Yeah, like 39 or something like that in the same game. I was game. there too. It yeah. rained. Uh, no, that was the FAU game. That was the FAU game. But this was a lot of... There was an A and a U, and I got confused. It's UAB, okay. You know. um, I think Joe Webb was in that game as well. Uh, anyways, yeah, so I'm still upset about Montez Sweat being really good. I'm very happy for him, but I personally... Uh, it, it took away from the storyline. Okay, no pressure on these guys. But we had two additions. Maybe they become better than Montez Sweat. Two additions to what? Michigan State's football team. Oh, yes. Yeah, no pressure, fellas. Um, yes, from departures to arrivals, uh, two commitments in the world of football recruiting, um, Jay Hunt and Cole DeMarzo. Let's start with Jay Hunt since we were talking about defensive linemen. Um, Hunt is, I guess, technically in addition to, to the 2019 class. It's a little convoluted. We'll explain. Um was a 2019, actually originally a, a, an Iowa commit. Yeah, so he was he signed sealed on that thing. Yep, and uh, didn't work out. Nope, he, uh, for grade reasons, he um, was not admitted to Iowa at the time. Uh, but he was a three star. I mean, he's like the number 15 or 16 recruit in the state of Michigan. So I mean, unequivocally a good get. Checks in already at 260 pounds. Uh, comes from Belleville, which is just heard of it. Yeah, uh, becoming. I mean, is now a very solid Michigan State pipeline. He's the third member of just this class from Belleville football, joining Julian Barnett and Devontae Dobbs, not even arguably the two best recruits pretty, pretty in the MSU class. That one high school can produce this many D1 players. It is, especially a high school like Belleville that's not necessarily like known for doing so. Um, but then additionally, da- Davion Williams, who's probably going to factor into the DB group this year. And... Um, then you've also got uh, Gabe Brown, Bubba, who is cert- just score- still scoring points still uh, in the summer league. Uh, 
So uh, big get there, and it, you know what's really cool about this one is it's a super late ad. Technically, he is coming in this fall. However, he's not going to be on scholarship until 2020. So he's essentially doing what uh, Cole Chewins and Jack Conklin have done previously in gray shirting, paying his own way for a, a year and then going on scholarship next year. Uh, we talked about the DL last week. I would. It's hard to picture him getting on the field this year, just based on the depth and uh, kind of the late addition here. So it doesn't have. He's coming in late already. Um, so probably red shirting, but you know, we also talked about the fact that there's a lot of DL talent going out next year. Uh, he throws his hat in the ring and, and really between him and Deshaun Mallory, the last two years, really late additions to classes that, sh- you know, shore up a position that without those two in this potential future rotation, I mean, you're, been, you're looking thin, if but nothing else. all of a sudden, else. you know, and like you said, it becomes a lot more manageable. Like, oh, yeah. Know, this is now all of a sudden a very solid, all right. And, Last year's recruiting class was by all means solid. Yeah. Now it becomes well. Now you've got depth. I mean, yeah, there you, go. you can afford a miss in there somewhere now. And given the fact that MSU's not, you know, pulling in five stars on the defensive line, you need to build in, you know, a little bit of padding and room for error. And right. adding a couple extra bodies, a couple extra rolls of the dice, especially ones that are already physically kind of mature, and you give them a year to develop. You know, it's a nice luxury to have. Um, so we got another yeah. recruit too. Uh, this is for the 2020 class. Yes, yeah, so essentially two additions for 2020. Um, Cole DeMarzo, a safety-slash-linebacker hybrid. Um, not totally sure where he's going to end up playing just yet, uh, but he's out of Hilton Head, South Carolina. Lovely. One of my favorite places uh, on the planet. Beautiful place. I am incredibly jealous of Cole having grown up there because it is a truly wonderful place. Uh, not a football factory necessarily, so I don't think we'll yeah, see I don't how think that translates. But hey, who am I? Yeah, and uh, Cole, buddy, winter it's tough. Just so, just get ready for that. Um, but yeah, he's one of those. When I think of you know, based on a very light amount of research, he reminds me kind of of a, a Matt Morrissey type, where you, you know maybe you start at safety, end up coming down to linebacker. Um, you know, pretty big athlete, but big in size to the point where he might outgrow the net level of athleticism you need to be a DB in college. So, um, but it, it'd be interesting. Another, another body in that class, that class is thinning out now. I mean, if Hunt counts towards that scholarship count, they're at about 16 and they were only planning, I think they're at 16 and they were only planning to take between like 18 to 19. So only a couple spaces left. One big note about that class is no quarterbacks yet. Usually a position MSU likes to take every year, um, whiffed on a couple of their big targets. So it will be interesting to see if they uh, use up what's now a really valuable spot um, to take a quarterback or if they just you know start concentrating on, on grad 2021 grad transfers. When but it comes the, up, when I mean, the slot comes up. Right, I was going to say because you, know, you, you still do have some depth there with Peyton yeah. Thorne and Theo Day and guys like that. But, but it's when the slot comes open. Right. When the, well, I mean, ideally, you're finding somebody that's, uh, you know... Who's not having a good start, time. Well, who's going to start for multiple years as well, well. You could also take a transfer quarterback, maybe not right, necessarily a grad transfer. Somebody who's not having a good time, a transfer, maybe who gets beat out by someone in the same grade or younger, mm-hmm. maybe even gets passed in the depth chart. It's working out for a lot of major programs. Yeah, it, it happens all the time, and uh, I would not be surprised. It, it's not a problem that's going to really rear its head for, I would say, at least... Yeah. two to three years but 
by then either you'll hopefully find somebody in the next class who's really talented or you'll be able to make up for it one way or the other. So not a huge issue, but we'll see what happens there. So we will not read too far into the quarterback situation. No. But we will read far into the third scrimmage. Oh, yeah. Michigan State just took place. Um, you want to give them the score? I do. Burn I, burner. Yep, 38-37 win for the offense. Offense putting up points. Yeah. Um, is it is it scored the way you'd want it to be scored? The, the scoring doesn't make any sense at all. If you've ever watched, I mean, you've probably watched the spring games. Hopefully you watched it here with us. Um, I thought you were going to say, uh, whose line is it anyway? Where the points, points don't, don't matter. matter. Yeah. Uh, scores made up and the points don't matter. That is honestly pretty accurate mm-hmm. like when you're watching this spring game there just been three points added to a score out of nowhere and you're like oh all right cool i guess the offense is winning um so anyways uh msu's offense does end up winning um theo day so this is how stupid it is theo day converts a third of uh, uh, excuse me theo day converted a fourth and 17 to win sure not to score gotta go for it but to win yeah yeah, pass sticks yeah, sure clock's running out i don't know um so uh one thing you know with this team, everyone's always talking about how the defense is going to be the driver. Offense wins. So, John, it's overreaction time. Is it panic because the defense is bad or rejoice because the offense is good? I will go with rejoice mm. because the offense is good. Because like we talked about, the scoring is made up. And, you know, a lot of times I think Mark D'Antonio is the kind of guy that um, – Feels maybe the team does the offense. His offenses deserve points, even if they don't kick it through the uprights or get in the end zone. Like a good showing, yeah, should gain points in the Big Ten, right? I don't disagree. A good punt should be worth something. Or if you can manage to go three downs without a punt, that's mm. worth a point. Yeah, I kind of as Big Ten co Big Ten commissioner with you. Yeah, thought we should consider like just testing out some new rules. Like you said, punting. Um, if you punted a certain distance. Yeah. Uh, that should be worth points. Yep. I think if the offense is on the field for more than um, six minutes in a drive, that's worth a point. Hell yeah. Because you know how much we get in Big Ten country. We love a good drive. I think if you can run the ball more than ten times on any drive, drive. you should get a touch. You should get six points. I So basically what you're hearing is Mark D'Antonio – it would be hearing this and would hire us to do the scoring for his scrimmages. He's nodding. He's nodding the whole mm-hmm. way. He's like, and yes, absolutely. The defense, <laughs> I mean, the defense, look, they're going to do, they're fine. <laughs> yeah. Or here's who I'm not worried about. Yeah. Because I know the 38 points the offense scored, as you mentioned, the they converted a fourth and 17 against what I'm guessing is the third stringers because Theo Day was out there. Yep. Not worried that the, all those points were scored by, like, touchdowns. Yeah, they said that they ran about 140 plays, and the starters were in for 90 of them. So this was at the end. Guessing these last 50 were probably pretty uh, rocky and Theo-heavy. So, um, yeah, I mean, if we want to just overjoice or, excuse me, over overreact – it's so hard to read into this. The fact that the offense was able to score like at all on this defense is a good thing, in my opinion. Yeah. Apparently, they played with great tempo, and I feel like that's sneaky. One of the things we're going to see. Talk about it. Overreact about tempo. Yeah. No. I Overreact. Mean, I, I mean, we don't usually get to do this because we don't have ever change the tempo. But uh, that's been kind of. They haven't done a lot of hinting as to what this new offense will look like, but based on what we saw in the bowl game. And what you've heard sort of consistently rumbling-wise, you know, 
a little extra tempo, a little less thinking, some quicker decisions for quarterbacks and everybody else involved mm. uh, is probably what you can expect to see. And so as long as they're picking up on that type of stuff and making the easy reads and, you know, understanding the, the lingo and getting more comfortable with moving a little quicker, that's really all you need to know in, in terms of feeling good about this. So they didn't release any stats or anything like that. The Theo Day thing, I think, just kind of slipped out. Um, I'm st- I'm sticking with it. They're going to have a hot top 100 offense. Wow. I know. Hot. Out here on this branch all alone. It's hard. Life's hard. So we do every week, if you're new to the pod, we do a position preview. We've gone through quite a few, only a couple to go. This is a, a I, I know last week we did defensive line and we said that was the most exciting just because that they're so. It's the best. Explosive. This one is most exciting for me because there's just so much. There's a lot of sure things and there's a lot of, um, I think, potential. A lot of upside out here yes. on the board. And we're going to do wide receivers. So wide outs like. And tight ends. And tight ends, yes. So just anyone res- who could catch the ball. We're doing well, sir. So should we include the tight ends? Yes, we should. Oh. Do you get what I did? I did, and it bummed me out. I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, I, so we talked about the offensive line before, and how that was probably the position group ravaged the most by injuries a year ago. They barely beat out the wideouts. Um, you know, the the injuries just went up and down the board with the wideouts. Wideouts last year, you had. You know, Felton Davis obviously rupturing his Achilles after, halfway through the season. Cody White breaking his hand, what, four games in. Uh, Jalen Naylor's hamstrings flaring up all year. Daryl Stewart played on a bum foot. Um, Cam Chambers played the Michigan game with a literal cast on his hand. Like, Tough to throw a yeah. receiver with a cast. That's where we were at, man. Yeah. Um, so that just gives you a state of the union from last year. So, uh, and we said this before, like, the issue with this unit in particular was not a lack of top end talent Mm -mm. and even though felton davis is gone that still remains true i mean your top three and you're going to run a lot of that's another thing you're going to see a lot of three receiver sets this year uh daryl stewart jalen naylor and cody white very good i'm going to take that with just about anybody starting three in the big ten in the big ten yeah, very, maybe not. I mean, I would be interested nationwide to see what the other ones look like, but in the Big Ten, certainly, I can't speak edu- on an educated level to the rest of the nation. Or, I'm sure there's some... much. What? Was a, I was making fun. Yeah, of much at all. I'm not. Yeah. Well, no, we get it. I'm not smart. Anyways, Daryl Stewart, Jalen Naylor, Cody White. Um, Just let's go through them. Cody yeah. White had one of the better campaigns breakout, really, as in a it, freshman. Yeah, as a freshman. Mm-hmm. There, I guess I don't know if anyone even expected anything to the extent that he provided. That was pretty incredible, especially with he was on a loaded uh, wide receiver core. Mm-hmm. And he really somehow found space and asserted himself. Last year, as we talked about, there were injuries, and it really kind of threw him going down, really made things more difficult, um, put a lot more pressure on Felton Davis, um, yep. changed things up. Uh, Cody White is, by all means, he's the game changer. He's a playmaker. You know he's, what's kind of insane is that he ended up playing in nine games last year. Yeah, played in eleven as a freshman, like you said. Really came onto the screen, onto the scene pretty much out of nowhere. nowhere. And had a really good season. He ended up with more catches and more yards last year than he had the year before. I think that okay. So that early season thing. is so was impressive. So I'm not even going to walk back what I said because you shouldn't. because his freshman year was uh, again out of nowhere. His sophomore year, I think that's a testament to how. Um, playing in less games and having more catches mm-hmm. and 
despite the fact that he was hurt while playing in some of those games. Mm-hmm. Wow, there's something there, and this year might be the year. Now that he is the um, Felton, not not there. Yeah, this is his show. I mean, he was off to an absolutely hot start. So before getting hurt against Central Michigan, his numbers in in the first three games of the season. Uh, against Utah State, five catches, 70 yards, touchdown. Arizona State had a huge game. Nine catches, 113 in a touchdown. Had four for 77 against Indiana, then gets hurt. Actually did have, which is kind of incredible to even see here, had eight catches for 115 yards against Ohio State. Even had six for 64 against Oregon in the bowl game. Cody White is an impact player. And I think when he is truly healthy and right and confident, he's going to be more than enough as a weapon. And what's exciting, too, is that if he gets double teamed, there are two other guys here that you got to feel really, really good about. So, and and one, Daryl Stewart, who's seemingly been here forever. Yeah, he's it's been pretty a, incredible. He's he's seen the field every time, every year he's been here. He was redshirted, obviously. Yep. So not then. But um, this is a guy who's been a contributor um, for a long time, and this is a great, uh, as you mentioned, a great complementary role. Yeah, he's he's your slot receiver, your underneath guy. Mm-hmm. Um, last year ended up with you know. Only playing in 11 games, actually. Um, but over the last two years, he has almost 100 catches for over 900 yards. And he only has three touchdowns. But which Mr. Is kind of Reliable, surprising. though. Mr. Reliable. And two years ago, I think one of the interesting things, well, <laughs> I don't want to see this again. I'll be totally honest with you. Two years ago, he had 20 carries for 140 yards. Yeah, that's seven yards a carry. But I bet uh, he probably could have had more if they ran to the wide side of the field. Which they're working on, I hear. Yeah, I, let's not. Um, Speaking of going to the wide side of the field... Yeah. Mr. Jalen Naylor. Jalen Naylor. So we talk about Cody White being super explosive. Nobody has the speed that Jalen Naylor. Jalen Naylor has as much speed, and I'm not hyperbolically, as any receiver in the country. He's quite, he is as fast as any of them. He is a bona fide track champion. Yeah, a literal track champion. He, and you may remember him from such films as the only guy we should that should run uh, jet sweeps. Yeah, I, I mean, he was... When he got the ball and was right, I mean, he had uh, he only had eight catches last year, two of them touchdowns. He averaged 17 yards uh, a catch, nine carries, 128 yards, 15 yards a carry. I mean, how like, many touchdowns running? One running, two receiving. So here's only his, played in six games. So there is his problem. He's very slight. Mm-hmm. He's a true freshman, and when you're moving that fast, and when you get hit. Things get a little more severe. Well, it's hamstrings too, and that's the track. That's a track guy thing. So Jalen Naylor, the biggest key for him is just staying healthy, stay on the field. If these three guys stay on the field and the offensive line keeps Brian Lewerke upright, I, again, th- there's too much talent here for there not to be some level of success. It doesn't have to. It's not going to be anything incredible. Don't expect some top 25, 50 offense. But like, there is too much talent where if they are on the field together, something's something's going to shake. So those three, you you were feeling confident putting them up um, against you know anyone in the Big Ten, and that includes an Ohio State team that is just jack full of wide receivers. Ohio State's loaded. Now the loaded. reason that they are loaded is because things um, are pretty solid all the way down that roster. Right. Other wide receiver cores that are worth mentioning: Michigan's yeah strong DPJ and Tariq Black, both very good. Ronald Moore by himself well, at yeah. Purdue is worth the price of admission. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is a, as a one for one. He's just he can go up with anybody. He's a walking all American. I mean, he's a Heisman. I think he's a Heisman contender. They're he's, not going to be good, but he's going to get his his touches. That's just it. He's a walking highlight reel. When you he his we talked about last year um, 
we nicknamed, I think, Daryl Stewart, uh-oh. Yeah. When he touched the ball. Ronald Moore is uh-oh. Yeah, because when he gets the ball, yeah. the defense says, uh-oh. So, you know, besides them, Michigan State's top three, I think, can go toe-to-toe with all of them, but maybe Ohio State. Um, yeah. The depth is where it becomes not an issue, but a, a, this is my point of optimism. There's a lot to be learned. So it's funny because usually when a position group gets banged up, one year, you look and you say, oh, well, at least the guys behind them got to play mm-hmm. and got some experience. Well, the offense was so terrible that this the same can't necessarily be said for this roster top to bottom. Like, for this group, I should say. Mm-hmm. The only one who I feel really confident saying that about is Cam Chambers. Cam Chambers, who is now a senior, I think. So, Red, redshirt senior. Okay, so he, he and Brandon Sowards saw a lot of field. A lot of field. Um and that's tough when Sowards uh, is candidly not – should never have been in a position where he, no one was comfortable. He wasn't comfortable in that position. Yeah. You know, like that's not something – I'm going to go to bat for him here. And that like when he becomes the number one offensive weapon um, when you're playing Michigan's defense, like legitimately because yeah. so many people are hurt, that's not a recipe for success. No. And um, so I'm going to go to bat for him in that, that he was, it was never going to be a viable option. Mm. Um, I think he's just fine. Um, Listen, if here, he's if he's your sixth wideout, you're I mean you're fine. It's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, but Cam Chambers, I mean, if guys get banged up, Cam Chambers is the one going in there. Now we saw him make some good plays down the stretch last year. Um, again, it, it really unfortunate timing for him with the injury because he was playing really well before he broke his hand. Um, so he's kind of your big fourth receiver. After that. You got Brandon Sowers. You got you've seen some good things from Larice Nelson as a little slot gadget guy. Um, C.J. Hayes, I will say. So if I look at the those guys are sort of like your knowns. Okay, you've seen them play. I think we know what their ceiling is for the most part. Mm-hmm. Chambers may be the only one that can truly bust out and have like a really big year. But he's gonna have to. I don't know where his opportunity is gonna come unless somebody gets hurt. Truly, well, and, I mean, really. Sure. And we did see Cam Chambers last year have moments. Um, he had a five catch. Uh, 82-yard game, and that was he answered the call when things got really rough. Right. Um, you know, but you're alluding to maybe some some really high upside. I was gonna say the upside exists at the, I guess seven, six through eight parts of this wide receiving group, um, starting with C.J. Hayes. C.J. Hayes has been a big athlete since the day MSU got him, stolen from from Purdue on signing day. Um, Kind of just getting used to playing the position. Wasn't a receiver in high school. I believe he's actually a defensive back. Um, and so he's, you see the potential. Like he's an all get off the bus type of guy. Um, again, he got a lot of at least in-game snaps. Didn't make a lot of plays on the field. Um, there's a lot of potential there. And, and again, you know, we talked about it with the defensive lineman a little bit last week. But there's going to be snaps available here in a year. When you've got Sowards, Chambers, and Stewart all saying goodbye and wouldn't Cody be shocking White. if Cody White declared early. So Hayes would do well for himself to, to prepare well. Um, Javis Alexander, another guy who came in last year as a three-star, was sort of just like an electric playmaker, like just, mm-hmm. just a big playmaker. Um, I think he was a quarterback in high school, uh, pretty fast guy. Again, would, wouldn't be shocked to see him make some plays. Trey Mosley, another kid from MSU – or excuse me, from, from Michigan um, – don't know a ton about him, honestly, but he's another young guy with a chance. And then finally, you know, they moved Weston Bridges, a name that you saw as a running back um, last year 
actually got a decent amount of carries for a couple of games. Um, ended up moving to wide out. Now he is has all the speed in the world, but his biggest issue was uh, fumbles while he was a running back. Now receiver should probably help that. Um, and so, you know, I, I, again, I wouldn't expect to see a ton, but we've seen position changes work out really well for players before. Um, that's probably more of a future move. So really when you break down strictly the wide receiver group, top level talent, you break it down into three three parts. Mm-hmm. Top level talent is about as good as you're going to get. I mean, you can't be mad about this to expect more out of your, your average college football team or your, you know, you're going to have to be an Alabama or a, you know, a Clemson to really expect a lot more. Um, the middle part is just sort of your solid upperclassman depth you know, with Larissa Nelson, Sowards and Chambers. And then your bottom third there is kind of high potential upside young guys. And, um, we, and we know with it, D'Antonio and this offense, you know, they, they let Jalen Naylor play last year. You know, you can see the field as a true freshman if you have something special. And, you know, there might be something special in a group full of uh, true freshmen um, on, that have an opportunity here. Yes. Um, so to get into the, well, I want to talk about the tight ends first before we oh, dive into the questions. Um, so the tight end group is one of the most maligned positions on the entire roster. Um, it's kind of just a bizarre heel turn. Ever since Josiah Price left, it's been fairly highly recruited guys mm-hmm. at the position, but that are just simply not utilized. Like that was probably the biggest flaw, honestly, in Dave Warner's offense was the complete stopping of the utilization of tight end. Um, now, some of that, a lot of that, I think, is on the the game calling. But a lot of the, for the last two years at least, a lot of that falls on guys like Matt Sokol and now Matt Dotson for just not being able to execute when put in really good positions. So coming into this year, Matt Dotson, former four-star recruit, junior, true junior, um, made some plays last year. Like when you watch him play, he has all of the talent to be a good tight end. Um, but he was just absolutely plagued by drops. Mm-hmm. I mean, had... One of the most costly plays, I would think in context, you could argue the most costly play of the entire season against Arizona State when he had that touchdown slip through his hands that got picked. Well, uh, would have put MSU up by two scores, I believe, in the third quarter of that game. Um, de- pretty devastating moment. Certainly one of the one of the worst. And then uh, had other games where he just he just struggled with drops. He struggled with confidence. Um, this is his chance. I mean, Sokol's gone. Like mm-hmm. this is your moment to to be the guy. Um, he does have competition though. Uh, Trenton Gillison, who was a redshirt freshman, was a true freshman last year, comes in. He was the highest rated recruit, I believe, or top two or three in his recruiting class. Um, physically, you see him on the on the floor, or not on the floor, on the field. He is as imposing a position player, like a true skill player, as you're going to see. Like, kid's an athlete, was a basketball player in high school, um, has size for days. Uh, he has the, the ability to be a really good player. But I think a lot of the reason he wasn't able to jump in and take advantage of some underwhelming play last year was just, um, you know, conditioning wise, he wasn't where he needed to be and blocking wise. He wasn't where he needed to be this year. You're the second guy. Like it's your, it's your job and your job. If you play well enough, you could be the starter. I mean, Matt Dotson hasn't done anything that's going to make anybody defend him to the hilt. Uh, And so I think Gillison's got a big opportunity in front of them on paper this top two should be really good. Like this should be, these are two what should be weapons in the offensive game. Now, whether Brad Salem 
uses tight ends effectively again remains to be seen. We have no idea, and whether um, Brian Lewerke trusts either guys, either of these guys to catch the ball. I think those two variables alone, you know, make me think, hey, this is a position that could contribute, but you can't really count on it for anything. Yeah, you're talking about Trenton Gilson. This is a guy who is the if you're into stars, you know, the four star, second most, second highest draft, or excuse me, second highest. Um, star-rated guy for the Michigan State recruiting class in 2018. Um, that's a big deal. Uh, to, to get, That was a big get for that big class. Big get out of Ohio, too, of all places. Absolutely. So, you know, this is a guy that Mike Tressel um, and Bowman uh, were recruiting. I don't know if they maybe thought he might play. He could have done a lot of things. Well, a lot of people thought he was going to be potentially just a big wideout. Like, that's how athletic he mm-hmm. is. But so, he's going to fall into a tight end. So uh, this is the big, I think this is one of the biggest outside of the, well, it makes sense. It's right next to the offensive line. Mm-hmm. It's kind of one of those, like, really hope something pops here, guys. Right. And one of the other things that'll happen, if these two aren't bringing it, then Noah, you're going to see a lot of Noah Davis. Noah Davis is the third off, uh, third tight end here. Um, he's had some injury trouble throughout his career. Um, but the kid can block. If nothing else, this kid can block. Um, and that just knowing Mark D'Antonio, <laughs> it, that's going to be valued very highly. And if, if you don't see what you need to see out of Dotson and Gillison offensively, right. will not be surprised to see a lot of Noah Davis. Won't be surprised to see a lot of Yackle, too, mm-hmm. by the way. That sixth offensive lineman, this team's going to want to run the ball. Uh, I mean, that's what they're going to try to do. If it means you know pulling in uh, Chase Giannakakos uh, for an old name drop, there you go. it's what's going to happen. So... Um, Dotson and Gillison are probably on some of the thinner ice, honestly, as starters across the board go in terms of playing time. Because if it's not there, that they'll get pulled, and this team will just—you have enough receiving talent, top to bottom, to make these guys not totally necessary. That's right. So, um, like you were saying, there's enough receiving talent, um, and some guys that might be able to break through um, and find the field just because of sheer athleticism. Some freshmen that you are most excited to talk about. Yes. The incoming freshman that that I'm super pumped about, uh, it's kind of a cop out here, but I'm going with Julian Barnett again. So um, a recent add to the wide receivers uh, yeah. position group. So Julian Barnett, second highest or highest, depending on what service you look at, um, rated recruiting this year's recruiting class, uh, was brought in as a DB, but has been practicing with the wide receivers, and apparently the athleticism is there in spades. Um, I, The way I look at this is if – you come in as a super highly rated recruit and you're a DB and Mark D'Antonio moves you off out of that position, that's like a, his his baby. That's a big deal. Yeah. That well, it says a lot A about the DBC has in place. Well, sure. First of all. And then second of all, it says a lot about his ability to athletically keep up with the position right away and to contribute right away. I will be very surprised. If he keeps practicing there through all of fall, I'll be shocked. Shocked if he is not among the top six receivers going into the season. He might show up on that third string of the depth chart. You're going to see him play. There's no way. This kid, he didn't come to Michigan State to not play football. Now, could he end up like Justin Lane, moving back over to the defensive side of the ball next year? Maybe. Well, Justin Lane's making money with the Steelers Justin right Lane's now. liking, yes, he is. He's doing quite well. So, um I'm excited to see him because if he sticks, he's going to stick. And if he, and, and he, could, he could still go both ways, too. So, so there was I'm another, excited for him. But there was another guy you liked, too. And unfortunately, we just learned that he uh, might be out for a couple months uh, yes. with an injury. 
The reason that Trayvon Morgan was so intriguing was his 6'6 size. Yeah, big dude. Bigger dude than Michigan State typically gets at wideout. Um, they usually fall more in line with the, the Cody Whites. I mean, even, even Felton Davis was all of 6'4". Uh, Trayvon Morgan brings you size that you can't teach. He's out for a little while, like you said. Ultimately, if it gets him a red shirt, I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, well, now with these new rules uh, where you can play four games and still red shirt, that could still be in play. You know, yeah. For, if, who knows? For sure. So I'm, I'm ex- he was a big late pull mm-hmm. out of the state of Ohio. Um, had a lot of good offers. As it seems to go. Yeah, which is fine. Him. It's um, a fine a fine rhythm for me. Absolutely. So w- what is scaring you the most, you know, beside obvious, besides obviously the tight end situation? Yeah. So the thing that scares me the most. So we talked about Jalen Naylor being as fast elite. as. Yeah. I mean, elite speed. As fast as anybody. Um, Cody White also has some pretty good burners. But aside from those two, the thing that kind of scares me with this group is, is and this is a very Graham Couchy take, but uh, kind of a lack of elite top-end speed. Um, Daryl Stewart is fa- a fantastic receiver. Old reliable, like you said. We'll go over the middle, we'll make the tough catch. That's great. Cam Chambers, kind of same thing. But you don't have impact speed down this playing group from what we've seen. Now, we haven't seen Javez Alexander. We haven't seen Weston Bridges at wideout. We've seen no. Lurice Nelson. Well, we haven't seen Julian Barnett. Exactly. So there's potential here, but when you talk about what's proven, mm-hmm. what we've seen, what product we've seen on the field, mm-hmm. we know we've got Jalen Naylor. Cody White is not super burners, but is more than fast enough. Outside of that, I don't know where my big playmakers are. And that that for an offense that may or may not have a solid running game and may or may not have a game breaker in the backfield scares me, especially when those two are coming off injuries. So that ties into just kind of a a little bit of a nervousness about the explosiveness of the offense. Yeah. And here's why that's important because when you have an offense that there are a lot of question marks about, right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you have to sit back and ask yourself, am I comfortable with this group moving the ball down the field consistently, moving the chains. Right. You know, we haven't gotten to the running backs yet, but I'll tell you what, we we don't know what we have there either, 100%, mm. and as far as game breakers. Yes. Okay? So you really need um, a guy who can is worth explosive plays. Mm-hmm. We have a few. Jalen Naylor. Um, Cody White has proven it. Daryl Stewart could be one of those guys. This offense needs every yard it can get in the open yep. field because yards and plays, successful plays, are going to be at a premium. Yeah, and I think what you said is exactly why Julian Barnett is that wide receiver because he is an athlete the cal- of a caliber that you just mentioned. So, um, yeah, explosive plays are going to be huge. I mean, MSU used to – <laughs> Go back not that far into the past, and MSU make, used to make even in a three and nine year all they could do. All the only way they scored was an explosive play. That was it. It was bombs. It was bombs to RJ Shelton. But even if you had, but even that threat, right? That was what was so important, right? And it, it, it I mean, that year was so many other things that had gone wrong. Sure, but sure. go back two years. You had Cody White out there. Uh, you, I, I'm trying to even remember who the other receivers were that that year they still had Felton I mean the fact of the matter is this offense needs all the help it can get making explosive plays and you know you got to hope that they can get there um 
so that that's what scares me the most. Now, the position battle that intrigues me the most, talked about it a lot, so I won't spend too much time here, but it's a tight end. It's between Dotson and Gillison mm-hmm. because this one can go so many different ways. Either they both rise to the occasion, Dotson stays the starter, or here's the way actually how I look at it. If Trenton Gillison ends up playing a lot, it's because he's earning the position. If Dotson ends up playing a lot, he could it could be because he's earning it, but it also just means no one else is coming up to take it. Mm-hmm. And if they both slip out and Davis steps up, it's because they both underachieved. Now, getting um, Mark Staten, I believe, back with the tight ends away from the offensive line, if I recall correctly, that's where he ended up. Mm-hmm. Um that could be helpful. Another, a new voice, uh, somebody in these guys' ears saying, "Hey, listen, this is the, our production's unacceptable. Um, you know, we got to be there for our guy, um, and just an offense that's a little more, I don't know, straightforward, competent. Uh, the tight end is such a vastly useful position in college football. Well, like to just get little five and ten yard chunks here and there, just checking it down over the middle. Like that's so valuable. And these guys, like." if one of them can step up, what that does to unlock so many other things in your offense is just absolutely massive. But like, again, like I said, I think these guys have the most tenuous hold on playing time, maybe across the entire roster. Right. And that, yeah, it's tough where we're like stressing out over this position. Yeah, we'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, you're right. But you know, we got to stress out because it's the middle of August. It is. We have nothing else to stress out about. I think it's time for us to de-stress though and rip on another program. So if you're new to the podcast, uh, we take some time and rip on why a certain program stinks. And usually we'll be doing it through the season on the upcoming opponent. But there are four Big Ten teams that we don't play this year. We've already gone through why Iowa stinks and why Minnesota stinks. We're going to hit Nebraska pretty hard today Mm -hmm. uh, because we don't play them this season. And i got to tell you, this one was pretty easy. Yeah, we're staying out in the heartland. This this is the easiest one so far, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, Iowa's pretty easy. No, but this one's easier because Nebraska, just to start, uh, Nebraska was admitted to the Big Ten, um, and we had to make an exception just off the bat. Yep. Every Big Ten school uh, is part of the, the AAU, the Association of American Universities. Okay, There are 62 total. Every Big Ten program is a part of it. Nebraska is not. We that is like literally the only parameter. You like you, you got to be a part of it. You got to be in the crew. And for if you're wondering what this is at home, it's basically the top universities in in the United States and Canada. Um, that's pretty it. good. It's like essentially the Big Ten and the Ivies, and then like you know Johns Hopkins and University of Chicago, the huge. Nebraska not a part of it. No, they're the they are the new dummies of the Big Ten. Yeah, so you talked about them moving over to the Big Ten. Yep, and us having to make an exception, all this crap. Uh, it speaks like it speaks to a level of delusion that Nebraska fans have. Like it's they think truly that they are one of the top, like like the old true blue bloods in the world of college football. Now. They had some incredible runs. Don't get me wrong. You've won multiple Heismans. Yeah. You got championships. Sure. But here's what you need to know. Here's all you need to know to know that you're not what you thought you were. If you were that, the Big 12's not letting you leave. Yeah. Why would the Big 12 ever let you leave? Like, how could they do that? Why would they ever do that? If they gave a shit that Texas played Nebraska every year, Oklahoma played Nebraska, 
they wouldn't let you leave. Yeah, they were like... Hey, that matters, does it not? They are just like, don't let the door hit in the ass. Yeah, you know? it's fine. We'll give all this money to Texas. Texas yeah. is like, yeah, we don't care. We're making our own TV network. Like, <laughs> yeah. they, don't, they don't care. So that... And it's funny, you go back to like the last time Nebraska, you know, you've had some good teams here and there for sure. Um, but they have a very similar level of delusion to our friends in Ann Arbor. It's it's quite close. It is. It's a level of delusion where it's like self-entitlement and um, we're important because we say we're important. Mm. The difference here is that Nebraska fans are actually nice. And all to a to a creepy level, as some of our um, peanut gallery wrote in. Um, but they also just don't have people in power in the media <laughs> like Michigan. So uh, they think that they're important, but they don't yeah. have people in the media saying they're important, so they're not important. Here's here's the deal. Because that's why Michigan's important. Nobody cares enough to like hate you, right? To tell you to shut up. Everyone just kind of <laughs> lets you go because you're yelling to no one. Right. You're yelling from the Great Plains states. No right. one can hear you. Iowa can't even hear you. There is no nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like even Iowa's like pipe, pipe down, man. But like, what is Nebraska's rival? Iowa. Uh, is it? it? Well, it's certainly not Oklahoma because they don't play anymore. But that's what I'm saying. Like, is it Iowa? Yes. I don't know. No, it, it they is. have nothing. Okay. Yeah. Um, no one even wants to hate you. Didn't they make the Big Ten Championship one time? They did. And didn't they Lost. lose by like 50? I believe it was 70-14 to 14 final. <laughs> and I believe it, That's not even a real score. I'm pretty sure a Wisconsin team that finished 8-6 and six yeah. hung 70 yeah. on the black shirts. Yeah. Anyway, the black shirts, they yeah, have this You're thing. red and white. But they have this thing where they're like their de- their defense is so elite. They are like the black shirts. No, maybe at one point in your in your program, it's, maybe it's been it's been a while. It's been a while since they were like truly a national power. Kind of in a what have you done for me lately situation. Yeah, and like, I don't really care. Like I don't care. Here's one thing, and you brought this up. You hired Mike Riley. You had you had. Infinite choices. You didn't have to. You had infinite. You you have apparently you think you have the bank. Mm-hmm. You have the prestige. Mm-hmm. You think you're a blue blood. You have the opportunity to be a part of the Big Ten, right? That's a pretty good gig if yep. what you say is true. You got Mike Riley. That is what the market deemed your That's value. That's a fact. Well, the the market returned all of that and said no. The best you get is Mike Riley. No. Yeah. <laughs> we want a great coach. No. You get a guy <laughs> that literally quit at Oregon State. Oh, no. By the way, I believe he left Nebraska to go to Oregon State. They didn't even fire him yet. Buddy. Yikes. You went. It's a shame we don't get to rip on Oregon State. I would actually feel bad making fun no, of No, that's State. a mean thing to do. Yeah. So that's where they are in the college athletics, aside from baseball, landscape. And he's just like, you know what? Corvallis sounds lovely. Think about that. I'm going to go be a part of the worst program this side of Piscataway. So Mike Riley leaves you. And stop me if this is familiar. You go and pick up a guy who was the quarterback of when there were better times. Yeah. And he's the savior. This Can't imagine this one going poorly. This is the guy. The standard's high. Bring it back. 
here's another great symmetry. Mm. In between those two. Sure. You right? had a guy. Yeah, you had a guy. Yeah, you had a guy. And he was consistent for nine. Winning He'll give nine, you nine wins every year. Every year. And it's not good enough. You were the envy of 80% of the college football world. Higher. Probably more. I mean, people would love and kill for that consistency. Yes. And um, you, he wasn't good enough. You canned him. You canned Bo Pelini. Mm. It, I, like, Does to, that sound like anyone the, you yeah, know of? I, I don't know. I'd, Maybe it rhymes with Moid Mar. Moid Mar. <laughs> Can't spell Moid without two L's. Coid Lar. Coid, <laughs> young Coid. Um, yeah, it's... It's a you have to really have a special opinion of yourself to to turn around and do that. Like again, we we ripped on Iowa for the complacency, but there is a, sh- a shard of that where I'm like, you know what? At least this is you, better you know than I, like, This was better. This was, I was a better eight version. And four. I was eight and four. Yeah, a Bo Pelini Nebraska was guaranteed nine or three. Yeah, that's what he's going to give you is nine. Yeah, that's a that one game is big for and me. And they recruited well. Here's another thing. How in the world are you getting recruits to come to Nebraska? There's only so much bag. Yeah. Hmm. Adidas. I mean, Bo Pelini won 71% of his games. Pretty good. You want contact? Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State, he won 67.7. Hmm. Yeah. So Random. You, right. They just, random. They, you ran him out of that. Couldn't random. run him out fast enough because he was mean. He was mean. You know that? He was mean. You know what's funny is that it's fine to be mean when you win enough. Yeah. But... But those nice Nebraska fans, they don't mm-hmm. like it when he yells at the boys. Bo, Bo, you fired a tandem of brothers named Bo and Carl Pellini from Youngstown, Ohio. You fired the football guys. They are they are literally football guys. That's it. Like, Foot- they don't do anything else. Youngstown, Ohio? Right. The Pellini brothers, Ooh. Bo and Carl? Dude. That's remarkable. Yeah, and, and that's just football. And really... No, let's keep going with football. Yeah, yeah football's, you know... the Okay, so the reason why your team was ever even good, they basically hacked their way to being relevant. Mm-hmm. They, Props for that. Prop. Yeah, they started weight training before anybody else. Smart. Smart. Um, Tom Osborne uh, had the, the T-bone or the triple option offense pretty much before anybody else. And he had recruiting classes of about 100 kids every year. Smart. Figuring, hey... Yeah. I'll How the hell couple. else am I going to get these kids to Nebraska? Yeah. Which, again, credit to Tom Osborne for being an innovator in his time. But, like, the game doesn't work. Like It's like, oh, they, so they put rules on all that stuff, and now you're not that good? Uh-oh. That's crazy. So they went out and started to get guys like Richie mm. Incognito. Just a good guy. I don't know why we included him on this list. What's he ever done wrong? Yeah, he's just a... Good old-fashioned lineman. Yeah, just a lot, big, great locker room guy. Um, they've literally never had a good quarterback. In the pros. Never. Never one time ever. Who's the best quarterback from Nebraska to ever play? We're going to give you a second. Who's the be- If you had to guess, the best quarterback to ever play in the NFL that went to Nebraska. And I'm going to give you a hint. It's not their Heisman winner. Which one? Eric Crouch. Oh, you stole my line. Okay, go it. I was going to say it's Eric Crouch as a running back. It's true. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. He, the man didn't play quarterback, and then uh-uh. you have, and then maybe Tanner Lee. Seriously, is your best like Tommy Armstrong? Tommy. I mean, they have had some again. One nice thing they've had some incredible college quarterbacks. Tommy Frazier, one of the all timers. Eric Crouch, Heisman winner. Mm-hmm. 
again, these were literally, this was so long ago, players that are playing now were not alive. Yeah, some of them might be grandfathers. Like the guys that we're referring to are almost definitely grandfathers. That's what I mean. So, like, I'm not going to give them too much credit for things no, that I mean, happened like, 25 you, you years ago. Th- yeah, I'm just trying to throw them one bone. Okay. So, I'm out on the Nebraska was a good thing for the Big Ten. Yeah. yeah. I've seen very little return on that. Almost none. I mean, have you? I mean, have they won a big game? Well, Lincoln's a hell of a market. I'm tired of everyone also saying, like, that's a place that you have to visit no it's not in what way can i fly there by the way i don't know you have to like fly to st louis and get rent a car that doesn't make any sense i mean i made that up but might be true i don't know i'm not sure i could find nebraska on a map i that says more about me yeah i don't know if that's a burn on them i will say that it's not even going back to like that's not a destination place to watch game why why is that cool you can go to literally any stadium and find a bunch of fans that are really passionate about that team. Mm-hmm. It's not an exception to just be in the middle of nowhere and do it. Well, except Northwestern. Fair point, but we will get to them. <laughs> no re- no dogging on them while I'm dogging on the Fine, fair. Seriously, why is it a big deal to go find 80,000 people being really passionate about something? I can do that literally anywhere else in this mm-hmm. country. No, it's, it's yeah, I totally agree. And, and because, I don't have to go to Nebraska. And what else am I going to do there? I don't know. It's pretty upsetting. And now, by the way, the fact that football is your staple, you couldn't even complement it with a competent basketball program. No. Not even like a, not even like bad. Just like competent. You're not even too bad. Yeah. You are so far below bad. Yeah, you're not a, you're not really a thing. Like I didn't know, like when you talked about Nebraska coming to the Big Ten. We didn't know if they got, that they came with a basketball program. Here's what's worth. Okay, if you were taking one of these two programs, which are you less excited about? Nebraska basketball or Kansas football? Wow. Okay, similar situation for both of them. Just exactly. Both have a very exciting new head coach. Keep revenue out of it. It's probably... mm, I'm going to go... I'm picking Kansas football. I'm taking Kansas. I'm taking Kansas all day. Yeah, me too. Because, because Kansas isn't delusionally good in basketball. Kansas is actually good in basketball. Yeah, so they at least have that going for them. Right. And the other program is, you know, downright horrendous. But, I mean, I don't know. At least they're, like, fun bad. Although the thought of having a Kansas Rutgers football game in your conference is not enticing. I but think, it's, no, that, no, it's no. that level yeah, maybe it's I'll a go to thing. bat for that. Yeah, I would actually enjoy that. Big Ten football. <laughs> well, and also, that would be a thing that I would really encourage every single person to get behind, like, to, as a college football joke, to make it one of the most watched games of the year. Oh, I'd watch it. Well, under the lights? We'd, we'd, have, to, we'd have to play under the It'd lights in Lawrence every year. But I'm just saying, like, that's the level of incompetence that we're talking about. Like, it's not a dissimilar thing. Like, Tim Miles, and, and here's the worst part of it. Tim Miles, actually a good basketball coach. Made you relevant. Got you to the tournament? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Got you to the fuck the NCAA tournament. Didn't no win. basketball. Didn't win, though. Doesn't matter. Also, this is how little people respected you. Finished third in the Big Ten, didn't make it to the tournament. Two years ago. <sighs> Boy. Tough yeah. to do. Yeah. That's borderline impossible. The Big Ten. That should be impossible. It Well, it was until yeah. Nebraska did it. Yeah. I guess I give them that. They are innovators. So, in the past couple weeks, we've been making fun of the basketball programs at Iowa 
and Minnesota um, because their best players are just miserable. Yep. Iowa's BJ Armstrong, uh, Minnesota, Kevin McHale, um, which is at least Good. the Hall of Fame. Um, beyond that, Nebraska absolutely takes the wettest poop. Yeah, just a dump. For worst, best players of all time. Guess who it is. I want the people to think for 10 seconds. Really, really hard. Because there's a chance that the guy who just made it to the NBA this year and might not even make a roster is better. I'm curious. Okay, so we're going to tell you the best. The best is the one and only, the immortal, Teron Liu. Best player in the history of the If you got that tweeted at us, because we'll give you some type of shout out. But best ever. Best, best player to ever play the program. Who's the second best? I seriously think it's Roby. And he was bad. And he's he was the third best player on his own team. Yep. Yep. That's like, uh, what? Mm-hmm. Even Kansas football has Aqib Tlaib and Chris Harris. They have guys. And like people that have made, made it. it. Nebraska has managed to be the anti-made it. It's shocking. Like... We're it, upset. And now, when they fired Tim Miles, which is a bummer. But now they yeah. have... I like Tim Miles. Me too. And now they have... Uh, the mayor. Mayor, Fred Hoiberg. He made it work at Iowa State. Well, I give him credit. Again, one nice thing. That is a really good... I think a really good hire. As much as I like to see... Great hire. Sad to see Tim Miles go. Fred Hoiberg... Uh, best hire they could have made. I mean, he was never good in the NBA as a coach, but he did get, he did coach in the NBA, here's, and he was really good at Ohio, uh, Iowa State. Here's a question. Does Lincoln become the new West Lansing? Oh, like transfers? Ag the transfers. new Iowa State? Uh-huh. Maybe. I mean, one, it's worked for him in the past when it he has, picked up Chris he, Allen, Corey he, Lucius. He's knocking on the door for a few others. Yeah, you're certainly right about that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. It would be a smart move on his part. A Michigan State B team would do pretty well in the Big Ten. I this year, yes, and I would totally year. agree. Yep. Second unit, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, that's what happens when you're one of the best programs in the country. Um, not to brag, not to brag, not just very humble, very humble. Uh, but weird. yeah, the, Hoiberg was probably a good hire. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what he does. I know he's recruiting California really hard. Like that's fun. Okay, yeah, convince a kid from Southern California to come to Nebraska. It's one thing, and, to try, and, and tell me you're not paying. Well, and he has to come and visit at some point. I mean, you can tell him it's right, great, but he has right. to come and see for himself. Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> this isn't what the brochure looked like. You said you said there was a beach. Well. It's just the yellow from the corn. It's fine. Yeah. You want to hear some of the best of the peanut gallery? I do. All right. While you're pulling those up, the one nice thing we'll say outside of the other nice things we said was Twitter's faux Polini. One of the better follows. Uh, yep, and that's a good transition here into our best of the peanut gallery. Sir Lime says Fopolini is the only good thing about mm. Nebraska. Yeah, it's true. I, I might agree. I might agree. It's a funny uh, an account. It's obviously fake Fopolini Twitter account. He's pretty topical. It's He's pretty. He's still very good even though Fopolini's not there. To survive losing your guy the at reason a team you're a yeah, is like a – it's a, it's as big 10 a Twitter account as you're going to get. Um, Sergeant Sparty says – you're a university of higher education, yet your mascot is an uneducated manual laborer. <laughs> a person who literally husks corn. No wonder you failed out of the AAU. Oh, an AAU reference. Yes, right to the heart. Oh, wow. um, Luke Dionys. I may say your last name wrong, but I kind of think I did you a favor. You should use it. Um, the way they cool. treated Tim Miles 
where they kept him in limbo for weeks and they knew they were going to fire him is criminal. I agree. Totally agree. They did my man Tim dirty. That was bad. You know, we should beat the hell out of them just for that. Yeah, I think whether we have anything to do with it or not, I have a feeling that might happen. If you don't think that I'm going to be yelling, we're doing this for Tim. (laughs) (laughs) We did it for Tim. (laughs) Justice for Tim. Do you think Tim will join the pod? I'm dead serious oh, about that. I would. If anybody knows a way to make that happen, oh, I he's would. He's not busy, dude. Love, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> I'd love to have Tim on. Um, Paul Fanson says, the Nebraska media on several occasions has stated the Big Ten needs Nebraska to be good in order to really be expected. Really? It's not wrong. I mean, it, they are deluded too, like the media. The Nebraska media yeah, said Yeah, they that. don't even say it. Right. Don't even call but it that's straight. what I'm saying. The, Michigan's the same thing, but it's national media saying that. Well, right. The Omaha Heralds, yeah. they get after it for... for when Nebraska. they're not talking about the college bas- baseball World Series... Which is, which is a big sort deal. Sort of a big deal for I think them. I think Paul had even more. He did. I'm going to go to the I got side. it. I thought the Big Ten just needed to win a few high-profile games against a non-conference opponent. You know, something like win a, in a bowl game better than, say, the Alamo or Gator Bowl. I.e. something Nebraska has not accomplished this century. <laughs> in, their de- in their defense, it seems like both schools that shared a title in 1997 try to justify why it is good for the conference if everyone just roots for them. Is it possible for a whole fan base to suffer from narcissistic personality disorder? Just for fun, <laughs> Google the symptoms of narcissistic personality disorder and see how well those traits match up with a certain common behaviors of certain fan bases. Hmm. Well, guess what I'm going to be Googling right now live on the pod? Narcissistic personality disorder. And what pops is, here we go, is a mental condition <laughs> in which people have an inflated sense of self, of their own importance, a deep need for excessive attention and admiration, (laughs) troubled relationships, and a lack of empathy for others. But behind this mask of extreme confidence lies a very fragile self-esteem that's vulnerable (laughs) to the slightest criticism. If that doesn't sound like every Michigan Twitter account (laughs) I've never heard, oh man. Yeah, I think you might need to screenshot that and just save that. That's going to go on the old desktop. Yep. (laughs) And that, that was the screenshot. Screenshots shortcut you just heard. Thank you, um, Paul. Yeah, thanks, Paul. That was very personal and extremely That correct. was kind of damning. Um, yeah, okay. Justin Godley, the, another damning. The fan niceness is just terrifying, <laughs> if not cultish. I am convinced that all kids in Nebraska are sent away to a Cornhusker finishing school <laughs> slash mind control experiment where it's demanded that they thank and welcome opposing fan bases to the point of exhaustion. I hate how detailed that was. Yeah, so it's like a clockwork orange <laughs> thing, but with like people saying, hey, thanks, on film. Like, it's that type of thing. I think so, and it might not be wrong. Do you remember when Shalit Calhoun was quoted when they played there for the first time, and he was like, uh, or maybe it was Will and Golston, one of the two, he's like, um, I thought they were making fun of me, but then it got in my head because they were so nice. <laughs> Like, that would mess with me, too. I mean, I kind of love it. Like, hey, good luck. But the thing is, it it's it's real. Like, it's genuine. I don't like it. I don't like it, but it's genuine. So they're not smart enough to know that it would But you're not even them. the best at being nice. That's Minnesota. True. So like, You're what? not really the best at anything. Oh, we'll keep going, because there's some relevant Um CT and TC had some, had four. These ones hurt. Good ones. Your prior basketball coach was Frank... Grimy Grimes, 
I don't know if that's bad. It's just a really good name. Uh, you are the only Power Six conference that has never won an NCAA tournament game. That, that is bad. I'm not sure I believe that that's true. I think it Does is. Does that mean Rutgers has won a, a tournament game? I think they have. I'm pretty sure. And I think DePaul has. DePaul's not Power, power Six, though. Sure are, Big East. Oh, jeez. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you... Th- that's bad. I mean... But see, that's the level of incompetence we're talking about when we talk about Nebraska I basketball. mean, Tyron Lou. let's be right. fair. Like, again, again, it all comes back to Tyron Lou, uh, as it does right here. The N on your helmets is the most generic font there is. Fairly true. Uh, so, you know. Rutgers made a Final Four. What? In 76. Boy. Huh. Well, now you know. There's some history. Uh, the final one from CT here is your best basketball player's signature play is getting stepped over by Allen Iverson. Big facts. It's so true, and it hurts so bad. Tough. All right, and then we're ending with Sarah Norris because we always do. Number one, their mascot is a dead-eyed inflatable nightmare goblin that makes Chucky look like Elmo. Oh, <laughs> wow. Take a moment for Wow. <laughs> wow, I say. Uh, their state marketing slogan... <laughs> No, this can't be true. <laughs> Their state marketing slogan is, honestly, it's not for everyone. <laughs> Please go back to the Google machine because <laughs> I need resolution here. That's a, that's one of the best burns I've ever heard if that's not real. I, that's a staggering amount of self-awareness if oh. that's actually true. Oh, no, it's that's real. Wow. That is a very real – that is from their Boy. tourism department. It's like, you know what? We don't want you to come here. Fine. Okay. It's like, they might as well be like, Nebraska, fuck off. <laughs> I mean... It might as well be the same thing. Jeez Louise. Sorry for the F-bomb. Keep going. I stand by it. Uh, number three, Dominican Sue's Lions career. That hurt very personally, Sarah. I feel like Sarah keeps hurting us with, like, Yeah, Lions your Detroit stuff, stuff really, you... That's hurt. We're sensitive. We're catching strays. Yeah, we are getting pelted with strays. Friendly fire. Yeah. This is not why Austin and John stink. <laughs> this is why your team stinks. Dang it. We'll do that at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, number four, finally, the last non-split, their last non-split national football championship is old enough to drink legally. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well. Yeah. It's true. It's been a tough go for Nebraska here on the pod. Well, listen, when you deserve to get ripped, you deserve to get ripped. So we have a lot coming. That was fun. We only have one more to go, and this one's going to be really fun, especially in the basketball world. Yes. Purdue is next. Oh, boy. And then we hit... Zanjo. Tulsa. <laughs> calling some certain people who have some really strong disdain for the Boilermakers. Yes. There are some folks um, that hang out maybe a little too much on, on Boiler message boards just to get a rise out of people. Strictly <laughs> to get a rise out of people. And, buddy, this they is ever? your time. It's now, baby. <laughs> and next week we have... Uh, I can't wait. And next week we'll be previewing the running backs. Indeed we will. And we will be right there knocking on the door of the first folks, game of the season against Folks, Tulsa. we are closing in. You can smell it in the air. Um, yeah, we're close. Uh, but yeah, save those Purdue zingers for next week because, baby, we are going to have some fun with that. Um, all right, guys. Be sure to check us out on Spotify. Listen to literally every single episode we've ever done and that's ever been published. Um, yeah, and let us know what you want to see moving forward. We're getting close. Tell us how to get better. Tell us how to get better. We we love hearing from you guys. Keep writing in. Your peanut gallery submissions are getting oh, incredible. one quick thing. Thank you guys for um, uh, 
starting to hit the comments. I know not everyone has Twitter. So yes. Appreciate that. Um, definitely make a point to read those and, and bring those on the suggestions and thoughts on the pod as well. So yeah, thank you. rate us on Spotify, rate us on iTunes, rate us on, on SoundCloud, all really that good stuff. It. Leave comments. We always listen. Um, all right, AC Smith 06, John underscore Kirby at the only colors. Check us out there, and we will catch you guys next week. See you.